0: know your name, I swear I do, it's on the tip of my tongue. Sorry, what did you say? I've known you for how long? Your face is so familiar, but no. And welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio I'm your host, Lori LeBay And also the founder of Alzheimer's Speaks And I am also the daughter of a mother who lived with dementia for 30 years And that's really what brought me into this space I believe that we can live much better lives Alongside dementia, supporting dementia And um, so I created Alzheimer's Speaks uh, Which is really an advocacy-based company To provide multiple platforms To um, shift our dementia care culture From one that I really felt was in crisis To one um, that I believe needs to be in comfort And I think that that pendulum is starting to swing But we've got a ways to go Um, Here at Alzheimer Speaks We also help companies expand their brand footprint By leveraging the platforms and the content That we uh, have developed so that families and people living with dementia can find the services that they so deserve. And um, before I introduce our our topic and my co- uh, co-host today, I just want to give a, a huge big hug to all of my audience out there. You guys are such loyal fans and have done so much to help acknowledge our work and We really, really appreciate that, and we'd love to invite you to be a guest on the show. And you know what? Today is that perfect day because we're doing open mic. So if you're listening out there today and you have something to say regarding dementia or giving care, um, dementia-friendly communities, services, products, tools, or maybe it's just your personal story regarding uh, dementia, please call in at 323 870-4602. 8704602 that's 323 4602 now before i introduce my um, Co-host today, I'm just going to give a shout out to a couple of uh, companies that I adore. And the first one that I want to mention is the Silver Dawn Training Institute. Uh, many of you know them as Dementia Raw. I'm really excited because they're coming to my hometown in Minnesota. They're going to be in White Bear Lake August 6th and 7th uh, to do their certified dementia communication uh, specialist training, which is an improv um, type training. Their approach is really unscripted, unconventional, and unapologetic. And they deal with real-life scenarios and help those in their program consider what it's like from a patient's vantage point. And um, their, their training experience is really based on the founder's experience in long-term care uh, with both the gals. So, um, check them out. They're doing other trainings around the country, not just here in White Bear Lake, Minnesota. Um, but you can find out more information at cdcsdementiaraw.com. At cdcsdementiaraw.com and I promise it'll be a a very fun, fun time because they're, they're just absolutely wonderful, wonderful gals. I also want to give a shout out to Maria Shriver and her move for minds project, which is going on through June. Uh, Maria is a huge advocate. she has a program called the women's alzheimer's movement um, org. You can get great information there, but she really looks at the disparities and is pushing for research for women because there tend to be more women than men uh, getting diagnosed with this disease. And the Move for the Minds program is a fundraiser and educational program that is being done um, throughout the country and even in Europe during June. So check that out. Um, the Senior uh, American Senior Magazine too. I always like to give a shout out to because they they have a, a really nice magazine that comes out like quarterly and it's focused on lifestyle um, for seniors. And some of their topics range from nostalgia, health, and wellness. And they interview and spotlight notable older Americans, and it's nice, large print, beautiful photography. Um, there's some games that you can play uh, for uh, that'll help just brain engagement and stuff too. So check that out. Now I have to introduce. My co-host today, um, who I totally adore. Her name is Lori Shear, and many of you are going to be very familiar with her. If you're not, you will get to know her well today. Um, she also has a website called Dementia Days that has a very insightful blog. She does lots of videos. She's very, um, she's just a very powerful advocate for, for dementia and of course, she is living with dementia. So, welcome, Lori. How are you doing today? I'm doing really well, Lori. Thank
1: you for inviting me to be on with you today.
0: Well, I always enjoy chatting with you because you you're just kind of a mover and a shaker, and you're not one to stay still. And you have such a a positive attitude about how do we how do we change and improve things for the better. Um, you you don't tend to um, go down the rabbit hole and, and focus on the negative, but you're always looking kind of for the bright light even even when things aren't so pretty. Um, you're looking for kind of what's the lesson and how do we change this and, and you know how do we overcome this obstacle and get back onto even keel? And I just so admire that about you. Um, that's, a, that's a lovely asset to have as a human being.
1: Well, thank you, Lori. And I, you know, I can't imagine living any other way. You have a choice in life to to make the best of life or let it ruin you and I just think that life is much happier when you try and figure out how to make it into the best world you can.
0: Exactly. I I agree. Now, I've um, mentioned to our listeners that they can go ahead and call in at 323-870-4602. Again, that's 323 seven zero four six2 and I'll be watching the switchboard as we're chatting here um, but in the meantime while we're waiting to see if anybody wants to call in and maybe share their own personal story uh, with dementia uh, maybe they're an author or they've made a video or they've done some advocacy uh, maybe they're a researcher uh, maybe they're a home care agency. It doesn't make any difference. If you've got an opinion about dementia, we would love to hear it and uh, what your solutions are to improve it, what you've seen that's working or not working. Um, We try not to focus uh, too much on the negative other than to use it as a tool to improve it um, and give some food for thought uh, to that. So um, one of the things, Lori, that I wanted to ask you was with your advocacy, How did you get involved, and why have you stayed doing your advocacy work as long as you have?
1: Well, I got involved, um, I think I first started with DementiaMentors.org. The doctor had led me to believe that I was the only individual in the United States under 70 that had dementia, and when I started researching on the web and and finding that there were other groups, I ran into uh, dementia mentors and through that found that, wow, there was a whole bunch of people under 70 years old that had dementia, and and we became very good friends. From that, it led to um, writing my blog and and just building, and it seems like I got involved in one thing after another (laughs) after another. It's kind of once you start – and people know who you are, it's hard to say no sometimes. <laughs> so um, I'm sure you understand that. But it's been important to me, Lori, when I when I was first diagnosed, I'd been a career person. I was used to working sixty hours a week and suddenly you're at home and it's like, Okay, what do I do? Your life has you have no purpose, you have no no real value. Yeah, you can clean out the closets and do all the things you always said you'd do if you ever had time, but that doesn't give you any, any real feeling of accomplishment. Mm-hmm. So the what, what I have found is that my advocacy work, helping other people, gives me a purpose, which therefore gives me life. Mm-hmm. And what about you? How how did you get into all this? Because I, I know you're as active, if not more active, than I am. So how did you get into all this?
0: Well, I kind of came in through the back door. You know, my mom had dementia for 30 years, and I remember from the get-go thinking there has got to be more resources, and this is ridiculous. Nobody knows about this disease. There, I know there's more people out there. There's got to be a way to hook up and, and at least feel safe, you know, and feel like you have some choice and some hope. And, you know, it was really closer to 35 years ago when all of this started in my family and nobody really talked about it. And it took me quite a while um, to, to step up and step out. And it wasn't until 2009, and that was really when my mom then was in her end stages. She lived another, you know, five years, but, um, you know, things had really drastically changed. And I sold residential real estate and I worked really closely with uh, people in senior housing. And I was kind of a, a specialist in helping people transition and trying to make that decision and, and make it be the right choice and get families all on one page. And And so uh, it was really my colleagues in senior housing that encouraged me to step out of the box. And they said, you know, you have this really positive light, and you give hope, and it's not doom and gloom. And, you know, you really have found this richness living with dementia, and more people need to hear that. So... That uh, got me to start out with my blog, which I was shocked that people around the world kind of resonated with that. And from there, I started kind of the resource website, and and then I started the radio show, thinking, you know, we need more different types of platforms. Everything can't just be written. Um, and so I started the the radio show to give a voice. Literally to those with dementia and those who cared about making making improvements in it. And that included everybody. Um, I didn't care if you were, you know, housekeeping or a janitor or a neighbor or if you were a person diagnosed or a care partner, or a medical professional or a researcher or author or singer or songwriter um, or a child. Everybody. Impacts one another, and until we include all voices, I don't think we can really make um, change. I don't think we can shift our culture, and so that's why I started the radio show, and my gosh, we've been doing that almost seven years now, and then from there, spun off with the um, Dementia Chats, which um, you are a part of, which thank you so much for, for being part of that, and that's where we have a discussion and I kind of facilitate the discussion with people with dementia and we hear what's important to you. You know, what do people with dementia really want from us? You know, how do we create a dementia friendly community or society or family um, or sense of being? And, and I am just amazed every session, um, of what I learned both through dementia chats and, and through the radio show. And, um, and then from there kind of grew more my speaking engagement. So now I go around nationally and, and speak and train and, and do some consulting. And, you know, we tried the dementia friendly travel did the cruise last fall, which, um, which was interesting, and I'd love to do again, but it's also very time-consuming. And with my daughter getting married this year, decided that probably wasn't a, a good fit for me to try to do that. I, I would probably be in the loony bin. So maybe next year um, we'll try something like that again, because it was a lot of fun. And um, you know, got involved with the memory cafes and kicked off the first dementia-friendly community in the in the U.S. And you know, it's all been done. Through natural conversations You know I haven't marketed I haven't spent a dime really marketing Because I don't have it to spend I'm just a, a single gal Trying to make a difference And so I, I look back every now and then and kind of look and go How the heck did this happen? How do we get this huge presence? Because I'm just one person But it's I think it's because of the inclusiveness That I, I really try To project um and, and live And uh, you know and, and that's a simple thing for everyone To be able to do uh, Instead of kind of building Walls you know you're trying to Really smack them down and say hey Come join what are your thoughts And then truly listening To, to what people Have to say so I've, I've found it To be a, a Fascinating ride um, Even though there's times I want to scream and pull my Hair out and quit and say I have had it This is ridiculous um, Because sometimes I, I get really frustrated With um, With regulation Or government And kind of the stick in the mud Thing that, that doesn't seem To turn fast enough for me And and yet I know I can be viewed kind of As a wild hare <laughs> I guess I'm off and running But I I don't do well sitting still. I I like to I don't believe in failure. You know, I believe we learn if something doesn't work and it just gets us closer to to making improvements and and that's not a that's not a philosophy a lot of people live by, but I think with dementia, it's a critical one um to if we're really going to make progress that we have to embrace. So, that's you know, Long breath of air. That's how I kind of got in here, and and why I'm still here. And I've seen wow. great change, you know, in the what nine years I've been doing this. I mean, it's it still isn't fast enough, but there's there really has been some big big changes. So um, for for you, Lori, I, have you have you felt change since you've started? You know, on a on a bigger level outside. Just your work
1: yes I have um, when I was first diagnosed um, October or August 13th of two zero one three it seemed like there there was a lot more stigma there was a lot more um, negativism and I slowly slowly but we are seeing seeing some change in that which is very encouraging because it it tells you that your your work has purpose mm-hmm. and that boy that it just feels so good.
0: Yeah, so, it's so kind good. of ama- it's kind of amazing though that um, to me that even more companies haven't gotten on the bandwagon and okay. and because I because I do think that there's just huge promise and I, I don't see a downside to working to becoming dementia friendly I, I and, and maybe I'm just so biased um, because of the work that I do but I, I don't really see any any down ticks with it because if you're a, a business and you can be more inclusive in, in everything you do for dementia you know can apply in all of your life from your personal life to your other customers, um you know it just it has you focused on really paying attention to individual needs and and isn't that- really the crux of of service and marketing?
1: I agree with you and it's not just how we service them it's the way we view people um most of your your major organizations that that do fundraising for any kind of dementia they're they're always so so, doom and gloom and portray people living with dementia as not really living but dying of dementia rather than those living with dementia um, they don't have they put a very negative spin on the entire aspect of of living with dementia and it's not pretty it's not nice it's it's very challenging it's very scary at times, but there is still a lot of living that goes on from the
0: time you're diagnosed. Well, and I think that's a really good point, Lori, because you think of, you know, people with heart disease and cancer um, or, you know, even people with Down syndrome, you know, in terms of how, you know, how does the medical, um, how do the medical professionals view all this stuff? And for all those other things, there's there have been resources that have been developed, and we are so behind the eight ball when it comes to dementia and helping people live well with it. Um, it Dr. Cameron Camp, I loved one of his videos, he, and it's on YouTube. And I think it's called the Alzheimer's syndrome. And he talks about what if we would have called Alzheimer's disease, not a disease, but a syndrome? What if we looked at it like Down syndrome? And he says, you know, with Down syndrome, we have Special Olympics, and we've, we've made all of these things um, all, and have all of these surfaces, services to improve and allow them independence. But we haven't done that with dementia. No, we haven't. And, and, and we really, people deserve that, you know, the people diagnosed and their families both deserve the support everybody deserves to feel independent and and still vital in their community and you know this um shaming and the stigmas and um even when i go out and speak and i'm sure you've seen this too lori when when you speak um i remember being out where the heck was i, I was out in washington and it was really cool they were doing a rural health conference and i and i said well one of the things. Uh, Because every time we do a conference, I try try really hard to have a panel of people with dementia. And a lot of times they're like, well, you know, that's not really what they want. I'm like, you know what? Your audiences don't know what they're missing until you give them a taste, you know. And then once they get this, they're just shocked. And so one woman in the audience, and, and I was so glad she was honest because I know she wasn't alone. And she says, oh, my gosh. I have been in the field for 21 years, and I can't tell you how much I learned in this hour-and-a-half session. Mm. She wow. said, I still was perceiving this disease, you know, these, these symptoms to be later stage. She said, I just never saw or thought of this side because that's what I've been trained on. And mm. that so has to change. And so, you know, raising your 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 voices of, of those that are living with dementia, I mean, it's, it's one of the most, I think, easiest and most brilliant ways to get rid of some of those stigmas and to allow people to see a whole person. And, um, you know, Dr. Uh, Stephen Post, I had him on the show, he talks about not having... A disability or an illness But he talks about People being differently abled And he says bottom line We're all differently abled Period None of us come in as a clone And are exactly like the other um, You know our abilities Just change through our life And if we if we get a, some type of Illness or whatever It is that happens to us It's going to change our abilities And Absolutely. you know And we should just learn to accept and adapt and learn how to be our our best in that new ability sector that we live in. And yet there's still so much shaming, so much bullying going on in our world as a whole. And, And you guys, you guys get bullied. And I don't think people even understand how much you guys get attacked. For speaking out, because when you speak, people like, well, well you can't have it. She looks fine.
1: And that happens so frequently, um, which is which is really sad that you you're trying to help other people, you're trying to share a message, and and then you get attacked. It's it's sad. Um, but I wanted to mention. I I know I've mentioned this a number of different places, but we were talking about the way they treat dementia um, and lack of support. Um, In uh, October of um, 1996, my mother was diagnosed with terminal cancer. They opened her up and said it was inoperable and closed her back up. Uh, They said that she may have three months to live. At the time my mother was diagnosed, we had social workers. We Mm -hmm. had... Nurses sit and talk to her. We were given all kinds of literature and websites and support groups, um, a support buddy. And she did live two years and six months rather than three months, which we were very thankful for. But during that entire two years and six months, we continuously had a support system from the doctor's offices. Mm -hmm. Being diagnosed with dementia, you're given nothing. You're given no social worker. You're given no nurse that follows up on you. You're basically mm-hmm. told, come back
0: in six months
1: and we'll see yeah. how far you've digressed.
0: Yeah, isn't that a perky picture? <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. I, I mean, that's the. Uh, and as long as if the neurologist or the doctors are starting out with that type of stigma, of course, the rest of the world has that type of stigma
0: because mm-hmm.
1: that's, that's what they're portraying.
0: Yep. But yeah.
1: I, I would love to see um, doctors' offices that have a have a support network that they can mm-hmm. help people and and show people, look, this is not a death sentence. Well, and not how nice would,
0: would that be to have like a, a dementia mentors within every hospital system, you know, or, or a clinic getting diagnosed, where they really could support one another and um, and then tap into a greater community, but at least have something local and to have um, a memory cafe that's supportive so that people can fall into that and, and be lifted up. I just, you know, there's so many cool concepts out there that that we don't know about or so many different things you can do to change your environment or to change your mindset that aren't being talked about Because I think and, and they are being talked about more than what they were Don't get me wrong there But I mean there's still so much of So many basic tools um, That people aren't armed with Because people are too busy Throwing out statistics And trying to define it in a box And you know what I've seen on my journey With with my mom and and with everybody else who I've been able to meet around the world through this is it dementia doesn't fit in a box you know and if it if it does it might be star shaped one day and oval the next and square the next and erupt, you know i mean it, it's just changing forms all the time and and we have to learn how to adapt to those changes people living with dementia have to learn how to adapt. And to me, it's just another skill set that is something that all of us have, but we just have to apply it in another area again. Because life has always been about adapting to new situations. Yeah,
1: it, and that's true. And sometimes sometimes we could be square, star-shaped, and circle all within the same day because we, we do tend to be like a roller coaster and change frequently mm-hmm. yeah. um, but learning how to adapt to that I, it, it's hard it's challenging um, I know sometimes my husband just doesn't know what personality I'm going to be at that particular time Mm-hmm. and it you know so you have to to learn it okay is this the is she going to be crying now or is she going to be
0: you know how is she going to be
1: yeah how is she going to react,
0: react to this yeah Yep, That's really important. If you have an opinion and you're listening, please call in at 323-870-4602. That's 323-870-4602. One of the things that I I remember, um, I want to say it was dementia chats when we were talking, and and to me this was just kind of a brilliant statement, and I can't remember which one of you because you kind of all chimed in with the same thing, but... Um, You guys basically said, you know, our symptoms are fine and, and, you know, everybody likes to categorize where we are depending on what scale they're using. But please don't focus so much on our symptoms and look at our symptoms really more like emotions. You don't get out of bed in the morning and stay with one emotion your whole day. You're going to be triggered by different things. And dementia is kind of like that, and so you you could go through all these different phases, and it really is much more normal than not, and yet we we are trying to categorize it as being so different, and and you know focusing on that emotional contentment, what gives somebody peace, what gives somebody pleasure, um, what makes somebody feel content, you know I, I use my memory chip tool of. Are they safe? Are they happy? Are they pain-free? You know, when I focused on that as a care partner with my mom, everything I did was different because she was now truly the number one thing. And I always thought she was because all my list of stuff was about her. But when I really focused on those three key things, safe, happy, and pain-free, I could relax. I didn't have to just be busy to tell myself I was doing something effective for her. I could actually get back to being in relationship. And I think that that's one of the huge things that we've we've lost and we've done a disjustice talking about being person-centered, but I don't think we've defined it well because there are things you do for somebody that are task oriented and then there are things you do for somebody kind of almost on a more spiritual or connective level right um, and and they're very different and and typically when i have asked and tell me if 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 you agree with this or not but when i ask somebody with dementia which would you prefer they want the connection on the spiritual and the the um, real engagement level. They're not so worried about, you know, did the living room get vacuumed? Oh, absolutely. They would rather have, they'd rather have a conversation or hold, hold your hand or have a hug or um, sit and watch a show or just have a giggle over something, you know. And Absolutely. And we, Especially the personal contact. is The personal yeah.
1: contact is important.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Um, and Roy and I have, have definitely come to terms with, hey, there's going to be days that I can't do anything in the house. Um, and when I try, I do things like wash the windows with bleach and, and, uh, wash the television with lemon oil and fun stuff like that. So it's best if I just say, no, today's not a good day for me to try doing any cleaning because <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. I
1: end up messing up more things. Um. And and that's, that's like, that's okay. It's okay just to say, I can't
0: do this today. Yep, yep. We should probably all say that to ourselves more times than we want to admit, you know, that we just kind of get in our own way. And, um, yeah, multi- multitasking too much or... Or whatever it might be, or you're just not you're just not in the zone to do that, and so then you don't do it as good, and then you beat yourself up afterwards, and you kind of go, well, that wasn't too effective <laughs> <You know? laughs> in the long run but i I think it's so critical that we do more education on you know what dementia friendly is what um what really is person-centered care? Which I I don't even like that term anymore because I think it's overused and and under understood. And um, I really like the term more relationship-based care. Um, I don't know. It's it's an interesting evolution to see what's going on out there, and and how people try to. And then there's some that get into the industry just to leverage, thinking, oh, this is a huge target market. I can make a lot of money. And um, a lot of those can do a lot of damage quickly to people if they're not, if they're really not heart-centered in in doing the right thing for for individuals. Have you run across that, Lori? Where you see yeah, people- I, I
1: wanted to mention, you know, you, you mentioned the wording of person-centered and relationship-centered. Um, I know there's been a lot of discussion around what it should be called, mm-hmm. and uh, I ran into one woman who was calling it person-person um, and relation-centered care. And I said, you know, it. That, that, why don't we just say supercalifragilisticexpialidocious and try and cover it all in one? Mm-hmm. Um, we we sometimes put so much emphasis on the wording and it's not really the wording that matters. It's the care that matters.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. But I think too frequently the care takes second place to the wording, the wording of uh, what it should be called and how it should be put in place um, and not focusing where it needs to be focused on.
0: Yeah, one of the things that that I talk about when I go out, which is, and I haven't done it, I just started doing it again. I hadn't done it in a while, but I call it, uh, I take caregiver and I break it into CAR and E-givers, and the CAR stands for conscious awakening of relationships, and the E stands for emotional givers, because I think it's the emotion that's missing. You know, we get task-oriented, and we're not really... We're doing it because we're supposed to do it, not necessarily because we want to do it or we like to do it. Um, And and we're not, we're not feeling the engagement. I I don't think on either side when that takes place. And it's, it's been funny because recently when I've talked about this emotional givers, I've had more people come up and go, Oh my gosh, I have so fallen into that being task oriented thing. Cause it, you know, for me, I found when I, when I could cross something off my list, it made me feel good, which wasn't at all about my mom then. It was about my emotional stability and how I was coping with things. And when I realized that I couldn't truly be person-centered if I was worried about what made me feel good first. You know, person-centered, the other person has to come first. I mean, that's the whole point of it. And um, in their needs And so that's when I kind of came up with the memory chip Of switching um, And really focusing on Is she safe, is she happy, is she pain free And I talked to myself About that before every Interaction, if it was in person, on the phone Or whatever And it was amazing the difference That that made, I think For both me and mom Of what what we Did together and how we did things from that point going forward,
1: I think that person-centeredness and, and being task-driven goes to many. That relates to many areas of life. Uh, your children are you task-driven mm-hmm. or or person-centered with your children, with work. Um, mm-hmm. Because when you go even going to work, if you don't have the right frame of mind, it's going to show that it's it's a
0: task. Mm-hmm. Yeah, big, 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 big difference there. That's for sure. That's yeah. for sure. Now, you do a lot of work with um, Dementia Action Alliance. Why don't you tell people a little bit about that organization? Because they're doing some great things. Dementia Action
1: Alliance is, it's org, And they're just such an awesome group because they focus on taking people with dementia and encouraging, empowering, and engaging. Um, so we do so many things. We're, we're starting a product catalog where we're putting together products that could be beneficial to people living with dementia or their care partners, and we're going to have online just a catalog that you can go on and see these products rather than mm-hmm. having to do your own research on the Internet. Um, July 5th. I'm excited to announce that we're rolling out our first podcast, which is Professional Insights Podcast. Really excited about that. That is um, people living with dementia are interviewing professionals regarding subjects pertaining to people living with dementia. It's going to be 15 to 20 minutes long. I'll give you an example. Um, The first one that we're doing is on VA benefits available for people living with dementia. And then we're doing one on how do I choose an elder care attorney, Um, how do I select a care facility, just all kinds of things. I look back when I was first diagnosed at how much time I spent researching and researching, trying to find the answers to things. So hopefully um, these podcasts will help, help people to find the answers without them having to do a lot of research. We're also, uh, the following Thursday, we're kicking off Dementia Discussions, Mm -hmm. and that will be a chat group for people living with dementia or their caregivers, and there's going to be a subject each week, so we're not, we'll have time to socialize, but also time to educate. Um, But Dementia Action Alliance does so much to help people with dementia and, and really is very focused on keeping them engaged and empowered. So it's a wonderful organization.
0: Now, they did a a conference last year, which was really the first of its kind, where the majority of the speakers actually had dementia down in Atlanta. And I wasn't able to make it because I was, I don't know, speaking someplace else. Are they doing something like that again this year? Uh, Next year. They're
1: doing one every other year. So they okay. take a year off and it'll be next year in June in
0: Atlanta. Oh, okay, so they're going back to Atlanta again. Okay. Yes, they attempt
1: um, to going out west and, and going other places, but Atlanta made the most sense as far as expense wise and travel.
0: Mhm. Okay. Oh interesting. Yeah. Interesting. And so yeah, they join us this time. I will try if I can. You know, I, I heard nothing but um, wonderful, wonderful things. And it was, and what was so funny again to me was it was so many healthcare um, professionals that have been in the industry forever that were just blown out of the water with what they learned by listening to those with dementia. And as excited as I am, I was still saddened that, you know, were people not listening before? You know, Mm -hmm. were they not asking? And apparently that just really um, hasn't been happening, wasn't happening, still isn't happening enough. But, you know, thank God it started. You know, it started now. And it's um, gathered, I think, great attention and um, you know, it's something that we'll be seeing more of uh, because people are gonna people are gonna demand it. They they um, have seen the effects of of what you guys have to say and and how you say it. I think I think so many people were taken back um, by the fact that that you could. Articulate things so beautifully, and you know, for me, it kind of makes me chuckle because I've seen that all along, and that's why I do what I do. Um, And so it's hard for me not to see that. Um, And it and it just again is one of those things that has surprised me because to me it's just such a basic uh, a basic need in terms of I don't care what somebody's diagnosed with. You have to include the patients. Absolutely.
1: Um, you just, and there were some people I, I there mean, that were amazed we could talk, period.
0: Yeah. Oh, I, believe I believe that. I believe well, Wow, they can talk? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, and again, it's because of the stigmas. It's because of the advertising that has been done year after year after year. And, again, it's starting to change um, where it was just, you know, people in end stages in wheelchairs, drooling, in a nursing home, or not able to get out of bed, and they weren't communicating, and they weren't active, and my God, they sure weren't on the radio show, or they weren't doing a video chat, and they weren't getting up and speaking in front of people, because they weren't they weren't even acknowledged that they existed, you know, on a lot of levels. I think going
1: going back a number of years ago. um people who had breast cancer you never talked about that you just Mm -hmm. didn't talk about it and now it's very out in the open I think Mm -hmm. dementia is coming around about like that did where it was this you keep it in the closet thing and now it's it's starting to come out more and more which is is good but as it's coming out that's making people have to change their thinking that you're diagnosed and the next day you're in a wheelchair and don't know anybody Mm -hmm. Um, because as you know, with your mom, I mean, your mom was 30 years with dementia and yet people typically think, oh, dementia, they're going to be dead within three years, you know, and and that's, that's not it. Uh,
0: I had sad part. The sad part is too that it's, and this is going to sound awful. And it is. But in some ways, there there are some people out there that are disappointed somebody's not dead that quickly. Because, and, I, and I say that because they are so uncomfortable at knowing how to deal with the disease, you know, they would rather just have it end. And And that really made me sad. But there were kind of two camps out there, you know, one that would ask, you know, how's your mom doing and really cared? And the other just really wanted to give me permission to not have to go back to see her because if I did, I would probably share another story with them. And and they were so uncomfortable with not knowing what to say or what to do. And, you know, I wasn't asking people to fix it. I just needed to be heard what my story was, hmm. you know. And and yet I think people almost felt obligated to have to fix it. And That's gosh, if if we could fix it, that'd be great. I would accept the help. You know, but we're just not there yet. We're just not there. Yeah. It's sad
1: when you're diagnosed. How many friends you just disappear? Mm-hmm. um and and it's not just with dementia i think that goes true with with a lot of diseases because they don't know how to deal with the fact that you're dying or that you're sick they don't know what to say to you or what to you know what to do um but it definitely makes makes life get extremely lonely when that happens
0: Well, and it's I think part of it, you know, especially here in the U.S., we don't have those conversations about death and dying. You know, death, dying, divorce, and taxes, I mean, you just don't talk about them. (laughs) And, and, you know, we're seeing more things come out with end-of-life issues, too. There's more conversations revolving that and talking about quality of life and, you know, how do you want to live your life. You know, it just doesn't happen. You do have to do some planning um no matter who you are no matter what you have or don't have um you know you still have to have some kind of mindset about what do you want life to look like and how are you going to make the best out of what it is you do have and instead of you know blaming it on somebody else or something else you know that doesn't get you anywhere yeah
1: Exactly. We we had our plans all all mapped out, but, I mean, mm-hmm. they changed, but um, I'm glad we did map them out because we had been very strong on our retirement fund and making sure we put a lot of money in our retirement, you know, a decent amount of money in our retirement fund. Uh, I was planning on working till I was at least 70 because I loved working, and mm-hmm. I had to stop when I was 55, mm-hmm. so that's what we're living off of.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's hard when you know with the early diagnosis to to make ends meet. It's you know everybody thinks oh well you know there's supplements that'll just kick in, but they don't always just kick in, and people have to really fight for them, and and that is not only just physically draining, but emotionally and financially draining too, to be able to get those types of of supports in place or yeah, it's well, absolutely. It's, uh... And you
1: know, when you're working, your your budget is your your house, your cars, your whatever, is based on the income that you have at the time. Mm-hmm. And then when you when you lose that income, whether you're you're then on disability or unemployment, whatever, you more than likely are taking a tremendous pay cut when that happens. Mm-hmm. But Nobody pays your mortgage, which doesn't get covered under the disability payment or pays your car loans or whatever that that isn't covered under that so financially um, you you do take a, a it, it does have a tremendous impact, which causes a lot of stress um, yeah and that's
0: well I've heard but, more than once people you know do i do I get food on the table or make my house payment or buy my medication? Yeah. You know, or pay my health insurance. What do I? What do I do? How do I prioritize this stuff? Because they used to all be necessities, and now I'm being forced to choose in terms of what really is a necessity, and and that's really sad because they really they're all kind of basic needs, and yet people are being forced to to make these choices um, and give some of that up. And that's really that's really sad or um, the other thing that I, I, it just makes me squirm every time it happens and it happens often is when someone with dementia is having difficulty with their medications and they need to um, maybe be hospitalized to get pulled off everything and get restabilized because they, you know things aren't working the way they're supposed to and, and the lack of geriatric psych units, that are out there for people who really know the medications with the different types of dementias and the different types of side effects um, and what it puts the people diagnosed and their families through um, waiting on this and, um, you know, watching going, well, these staff don't have any problems, but this, this group of staff does because they're treating somebody different. And so it's you know, it really makes you think. This isn't necessarily about medication, but it's being made about medication now. It's really about staff training and in how to work with a perceived behavior instead of you know looking at it as a problem, looking at looking at it um, as kind of that trigger or signal that something else is wrong, and let's fix that to alleviate that type of reaction. And I, I think we have a long ways to go. In terms of educating staff and family, both. Oh yeah, and also
1: educating on on the variety of dementias. I've heard more stories of people being mismedicated that have Lewy body, um, and that there's just not enough training. Yeah. On on the impact of the medications on on different dementias. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, everybody, I think, I shouldn't say everybody, but a lot of people still think Alzheimer's is it. And they don't understand the difference between even the word dementia and Alzheimer's, where dementia is just a set of symptoms, kind of like a cold. You can have all different kinds of sets of symptoms under the category of a cold or under the category of a flu. Um, And, you know, dementia itself isn't a disease, it's just symptoms. And then it's those sets of symptoms that are actually categorized diseases. And some people have more than one, as you well know. Or they morph from they used to have this, but now it's leaning towards this. And so right. it is, this isn't a black and white thing. Um, and there isn't a, a guidebook of how this is going to work. Um, which I think frustrates just about everybody because we all want answers because we want to be in control and dementia just kind of laughs in our face and goes, ain't going to happen. You got to learn to let go. <laughs> you got to learn to trust a little bit. You got to be more fluid. You got to be more spontaneous. You got to get a little more creative. And, um, you know, I can laugh at those things now because I think I think all those things have made me a better person in the long run, even though I didn't like it in the beginning of the process because I was so in control, you know, and that was my comfort zone. Now I'm I'm much more lax, maybe more than I should be, I don't know, at times.
1: I think there's a a general misunderstanding of uh, Alzheimer's and dementia and what it is because you'll hear people say Alzheimer's and dementia. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, Alzheimer's is dementia. Well, no, I don't have dementia. I have Alzheimer's. Well, then you have dementia. No, I don't. Yeah. There seems to be a, there is so much, um, such a lack of understanding of, of what dementia is and, and that it covers an umbrella of things, including Alzheimer's.
0: Yep. Uh, yep. I Alzheimer's think the is the most common. But, um, yeah, I no, I, I definitely agree with you there. I think we need a lot more education, and yet it's hard. You know, I don't, I don't know how many dementias there are. I mean, I've heard numbers all over the board um, from various doctors and researchers, and we don't have a good way to tally that because our, our researchers and our doctors don't communicate in the best fashion when it comes to that. And so that's interesting. And then you and then you have the multiples where people have, Oh no, I don't have just one. You know, I'm gonna have two or three different types of dementia. And or then they come back and say, Well, no, you really didn't have Alzheimer's, you have mild cognitive impairment and I remember when they made that change and people just screamed out, There's nothing mild about this, they can have it because <laughs> it's so mild. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um and so it, it's it's kinda of funny how terms come to be and how they, you know, how they just kind of change. And with the mild cognitive impairment, I mean, that was a huge step because that was where a lot of people with that, most people wouldn't know that there was a problem by just looking at them, you know, and that was really a big, um, a big change for, for for many, I think in the, in the medical profession and in the industry to look at things different. And for families, I think, I think for families it just frustrated them because they don't feel it's mild, um, even though it's, it's better than, you know, end stages or something. Um, But yeah, just term choice can be confusing in and of itself. And, and, you know, it's, it's just none of it's black and white. It's constantly changing, and it's going to ebb and flow, because it is really a baby disease. It's only been around about a hundred years, and we think that's a long time, but it, it really isn't. Uh-uh. Uh, and um, I would like to see more psychosocial things come in place um, versus all the money going into pharma. And not that I'm against a cure. Don't get me wrong there. Um, or things to, to help curb it or put it off or even maintain things for where it's at. But we've had so many failures, and I think there is so much that could be done for society in terms of building some of those um, psychosocial supports that would would really help families live with this disease much better.
1: Oh, I um, agree. We need more Alzheimer's Speaks Radio We need more Dementia Action Alliance. We need more. We need money for dementia mentors and for dementia chats, and uh, we need money for for uh, people living with dementia to be able to continue to live, to be able to socialize and and do things. I'd love to see some money heading that way to help the people that are really trying to maintain their life.
0: Yeah, or funds to get you guys for travel to speak at different conferences and things, too, Um, you know, because that's an issue. A lot of people go, oh, yeah, we'll invite you, but, you know, pay your own way. Well, hello, Uh, Uh, do you remember I I lost my job? Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) it's like, with what? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Pay my own way
1: with what? So where where are your travels off to next, speaking of speaking, because I know you do a lot. Oh, um, where
0: the heck am I going? I think I'm going out to New Jersey next, and then I'll be going out to Alabama and hopefully Wisconsin. And I don't know, I've got quite a few different folders sitting on my desk, and I just, I'm just trying to get through my daughter's wedding July 14th. <laughs> that's uh, my big goal.
1: Right yeah. now.
0: And I, I told her I'm planted until that's over, and I, I'm hoping to get out to LA for the World Kindness USA launch um, The end of July too, And uh, so I'll see if that If I can make that in my schedule Because I really I just like that concept And I think it's a good fit With um, dementia friendly As a whole You know just being kind To one another Being, um, being respectful I think we've lost that Way too much um, Especially here in the U.S. And um, I, I think kindness Goes a long ways no matter mm-hmm. who, who we are or, or, you know, what we do or what we have. I, I think it's uh, one of the most powerful tools that we all have access to. So um, anything you want to say in closing? We've got about a minute left. I can't believe how, t- how time flies here. Oh, my
1: goodness. Um, no, just I, I so much appreciate the time getting to spend with you and getting to, to talk to you, and I always learn such exciting things from you.
0: Well, back at you, girl. Keep up all the good work. It's um, it's always a privilege to uh, to share the stage with you or share the mic with you. And uh, in wrapping up, I'm just going to give a shout out to the Alzheimer's Research and Prevention Foundation. Uh, you can find them at alzheimersprevention.org dot org and Calendar Cards, which is a memory system. That also manages the Memory Cafe Directory for the USA. And you can go to MemoryCafeDirectory.com to find a Memory Cafe near you, or maybe you have one you want registered. they would be more than glad to do that for you, and then you can access uh, calendar cards. Last one I'm going to shout out to is the Purple Table Reservations. Uh, if you go to PurpleTables.com, they are in the process of trying to get to restaurants to train them and get them entered into an app, so that people can go out and enjoy a, a nice dinner and um, and not have maybe loud noises and have an attentive wait wait staff and better lighting and smaller menus. Have a great week, everyone. Bye. Okay, that's a wrap. Oh, that's a wrap. So we're good. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. Okay, have a good week.
1: Okay, thanks. Bye bye. Bye -bye. It's time to rethink, renew, and reimagine retirement. Hey, everybody, Jared Sebastian here, host of Retire Repurposed.